looking for your pulpit. Thanks, Dave. So one of the um, <clears throat> one of the traditions among news outlets at this time of the year to claim our attention in some new way is this whole thing of the newsmaker of the year. I know it will never make one of the big lists, but for me, this year's newsmaker of the year was the story of how over 10,000 people, including over 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 100 divers, all of these from about 100 different governmental agencies along with private cities from countries all over the globe, everyone united together in just two or three short days with the whole world watching and waiting, no negotiating, no posturing, in an 18-day mission of rescuing 12 Thai boys and their coach trapped deep in a cave to bring them home alive. Didn't you cheer when that was all over? I did. I know that in the big scheme of things, it did nothing to impact the trajectory of world history. But for me... It is the big news story because that rescue, thanks Dave, that rescue illustrates two things. Number one, it tapped into that biggest underlying longing of the human race, something that's at the root of many of the issues we struggle with personally. And as societies. And number two, at the same time, it's a picture of the top of the list newsmaker of history story that we celebrate at this time of the year. Isn't it intriguing that in a world where, where the value of human life is increasingly being lowered... That 10,000 people would risk their own personal life, work together around the clock at great personal cost to save the lives of 13 unknown ordinary boys? Or, or is there something more to it than that? Was there something perhaps even dramatic or just as significant tugging at our heartstrings in this rescue that shows that life is more than just keeping the blood pumping and the neurons firing. Was this not all about bringing them home? There's something that touches us very deeply when we think of, of hostages, of people stranded, of people who can't afford or, or, or can't make the arrangements to come home. Something that reaches deep inside of the hearts of people from across cultures. Is it not because home is a universal longing and a universal need? This month in the season that's come to be known as Advent, which is preparation 
for acknowledging the coming of Jesus into this world, the God who became man into our world. Our theme has been recapturing Christmas in ways that are deeper and more powerful than what the Grinch and the people of Whoville discovered. We've talked about recapturing awe and wonder at the magnitude of the story, something way more significant than the latest product launch, no matter how much it's hyped. We've talked about recapturing contentment, something which seems to be in short supply at Christmas. We talked last week about recapturing joy, a significant Christmas theme, but that we try to discover in ways that are actually very un-Christmas-like if we know the Christmas story. And today we're going to look behind, underneath, those outward expressions, deeper even than the feelings we are aware of and the attitudes that others can detect in us. We're going to explore our human story as God lays it out for us in his version of our story, the Bible. This underlying condition, this overarching awareness that Christmas begs us to recapture. Recapturing home. We've touched on that subject several times this fall. It's been a little bit of a thread that's worked through our fall teaching. And today we're going to wrap that thread up by talking about how the biblical story describes it. It's intriguing to me that it's Christmas, the season in which the one we celebrate left his home, that it's a season we so much want to create an image of home, right? But behind that irony is is a bigger picture because you see Christmas and what we celebrate at this time of the year is all about home, about our longing for home and fulfilling our coming home longing. It's actually Jesus himself that leads us to think at Christmas time about home. Did you realize that? The two purposes of Jesus' teaching and On January 13th, we're going to begin a teaching series through one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. And it it, it just hit me again as I've been reading and rereading that Gospel that that there were basically two themes of Jesus' teaching. Number one, it was explaining who he was and is and why he had come. His teaching was not simply to help us live as good people and have a better life. His, His teaching was focused on helping us see who he was, why he had showed up, trying to help us see why we need him. You know what? We're going to flesh this out as we move along, but but let's just think about what is perhaps the most famous and most enduringly gripping of Jesus' teaching stories across generations, across history, across cultures. The story of a son who left home, did his own thing, but finally came to the point of longing for home. And then finally to the point of being willing to risk humbling himself before a father he had rejected and ignored and discovering the father's true heart of wanting his wayward son home. That's Jesus' interpretation, his summary in the Gospel of Luke of of why he entered this world and the purpose for going to the cross. Home is what it was and is all about. And and so at this time of the year when our longing for home is so real, let's look at what Jesus came at Christmas to deliver in light of the big picture theme of home in the Bible. 
Sometimes, most of the time actually, we, we look at a very specific biblical passage to see what it teaches us and what it means to us and for us. But, but sometimes, and today's one of those times, it's good to take a 40,000 foot view and survey a theme throughout the Bible. We're not going to go in depth into it, but today we want to discover four things from our, biblical, from, from our story as the Bible tells it. Four things about our longing for home and how we can leverage that, especially at Christmas, to recapture the home that we long for. The first two are going to be bad news, just exposing ourselves and our condition. And then one, one piece of big, really big good news. And then one where do I go from here perspective. So first of all, home. Home is what we were created for. And it's home that we lost in the fall. That's a description of our human condition. To see that, we need to, we need to think about what we mean when, when we talk and when we think about home. How do you define home? It doesn't take too much thinking to realize that when we think of home, it, it does go deeper than, than a house and a location. Doesn't it? Let, let's think of how some people have described home. There's that down-home storyteller, Garrison Keillor. Home is a place where when you get there, you know where you are. I, my mind went in circles on that one. At all. When you get there, you know. Okay. But it sounds good. Robert Frost. Home is the place where when you get there, they have to take you in. Some of us are never going to find home. How about this one we hear it a lot and touches my heart? Home is where someone is waiting for you. And then that Hallmark, Hallmark chicken soup for the soul kind of definition, home is where your heart is. That, that is how many of us think about home, isn't it? It's more than a place, more than a house. You know, one good exercise, a kind of get-to-know-you exercise this Christmas for you with somebody might be to, well, well, first of all, think, talk as a family. How, how, how How would I define the home I'm looking for? What is it I'm really longing for when I long for home? Or what is it I really appreciate about the human home I have? But another one might be to... To, to ask someone here this morning, and there's, there's quite a few of us here this morning who have moved to Canada from another country. Really, we have left home. Talk to, talk to them about what, what have you discovered in your life about what is home for you. What is home for you? Not, not where is home, but what is home? It would be a great discussion. I think if, if we're to define home, there are probably several components that are going to be in all of our definitions. Number one, something about a deep and secure rootedness, right? Something about a place of significance and acceptance and affirmation of laughter and joy and, and care. The whole someone is waiting for you peace. And, and probably by definition, if we think about it, home also 
has to have a sense of others, not just myself, but others. We talked last week about how, how joy has to, has, to have its, has to find its expression in, in what we do with others. But others that make me feel significant, around whom I can just be, but, but also around whom I, I have the freedom to become. Right? And for those of us who know our story, our human story, we'll know that is what we were created to have with God. Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God created a place, earth, and especially a place on earth, a garden. And then he created us to live in and to tend a place in which what? In which we could be at home with him. As his, as his image, his reflection, his representation, but also in relationship with him. And one of the saddest pictures in the story is how we walked away from that home in Genesis 3 where it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. This is after they had, had, had disobeyed God, had eaten of the fruit. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord moving about in the orchard at the breezy time of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, of the orchard. And God calls out, where are you? He knew where they were. But we, what he wanted to get them to feel is the sense that they had left him and they had left home. They had disobeyed God, but the most significant piece of that was that in doing so, they had walked away from their home sense of relationship with God. And in doing so, the natural consequence of that is that they lost the place they once knew as home. Let's stop right there and just... And just point out the obvious that we perhaps need to hear this Christmas. Might it be true, perhaps more true than we sometimes realize or at least admit to others, that underneath all of our longings for home, the effort we put out to create home, there's this awareness of and a longing for the true home for which we were created that none of our effort will ever produce fully. So what does that mean for me this Christmas? Well, first of all, perhaps some of us need to develop that sense of self-awareness, can ask ourselves where some of our home, whether some of our expectations of home this Christmas, expectations we have that other people in our lives cooperate with us to fulfill our own longings for true home, but that we lost in the fall and can't be filled by others cooperating and others delivering. Do we just need to become a little more aware of how those longings come out in expectations of others that they can't deliver? What are our Christmas fights all about? Many of them are about other people not delivering on my longings for home, right? What are our Christmas excesses all about? Partying and spending might they to some degree be about trying to drown or to compensate for the home we've lost and are longing for but don't want to admit? Will you do a heart check this Christmas before you go any further down those roads? Some of us need to change and replace just one word in our heads, in our thinking 
grooves in our minds. You see, one of the ways we justify our expectations is we say this. We don't say it out loud necessarily. Sometimes we do. We say, don't I deserve to have a sense of home? And sometimes, in order to guilt trip others around us, we we even say that out loud. Can I suggest that you change that rut in your thinking by just taking out the word deserve and replacing it with the word created for? Yeah, we were created for that. You're absolutely right. But we lost it. We lost the right to it as humanity. And when we make other people think we deserve it to have them fulfill that longing for us, we're we're setting ourselves up for failure and we're pushing them away. You see, just because something is a legitimate longing doesn't mean that it's a deserving. One more piece of bad news before we get to the good news. It's important to see this because the good news of Christmas will address this one as well, as we'll see later. It has to do with one of the core effects we experience in this longing for home that we lost. An effect that more and more is a condition that we experience in our world today. We see this effect in chapter 4 of Genesis, the next chapter after the fall. Not in Adam and Eve, but in the son of Adam and Eve, Cain. Cain expressed his lostness in anger and resentment Killing his brother, right? And what did Cain experience the rest of his life? He said it to God. I will be a homeless wanderer on earth. One of the results of losing home is that a a common condition that we experience is simply being wanderers. Without a sense of purpose, without a clear direction, constantly on the move, but not really going anywhere. Some of us try to fight that by being driven, driving others. But it's even a little closer to home than that. So some translations, you, that word homeless wanderer, that's an interpretation of that word. But a, a literal translation of it is fugitive. An interesting trek through the story of God's people through the Older Testament is to look at it in terms of wandering. It's all over. The, the prophets talk a lot about wandering away. And what about that great story in uh, in the Exodus? God is bringing them home to the home he created for them. They disobey him again. And they wander for 40 years in the wilderness. Just just think of what, what we've created in our culture. In our culture, it seems to me we've created two things. We've created people who spend all of their resources building castles they can never really use. Why? Probably at least partially to create this image of home. But on the other hand, we have a culture of mobility, moving, exploring, never landing anywhere, because we can. And some of that finds its way into things like not sticking in commitment to to community. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong, inherently wrong, with being mobile, with exploring. There's something exciting about it and good. What I'm saying is that there's, there's a fine line here. If you find yourself moving from job to job, from place to place, from church to church, from relationship to relationship, not being able to make or follow through on commitments, at some point you've got to acknowledge, I'm just a wanderer in ways that actually compound my sense of loss of home. 
and that will impact the next generation in ways that I will regret. Some of us perhaps need to ask ourselves, have I become or am I in danger of becoming a wanderer in ways that actually won't deliver for me? Let's go back to Cain. What, what wandering for him meant he was, he was being a, a fugitive, alone, cut off from people and suspicious of people. Whoever finds me, he says, will kill me. You see, what Cain had lost is a sense of belonging to, of identifying with community, with people. We've pointed this out before, but if you were to look around you, don't, don't do it because if you do, somebody's going to be suspicious of what you see in them. If you were to look around you, there's a very high chance that the person who you see is a very lonely person just like you. Some of us think we're the only lonely people in here. Most people, even in a place like a church, feel lonely. And like they're the only ones who feel that way. Folks, until we recognize that the roots of our loneliness is our homelessness and that others around us feel the same way, we're going to be suspicious of others. We're going to expect others to make a place for us and all of the other things that actually destroy the community that we want. Oh, we can explore that a little further, but we've got to move on. That, that's the bad news. Now let's look at the good news of Christmas. The third thing we need to see in our journey to home is that at Christmas, through Christmas, home is what Jesus left for us in order to bring to us and to bring us into. God himself identified with our homelessness in every way he could in order to give us hope for home. Where was it that the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords was born? Not in a fancy birthing chamber. Not even in a place anyone would want to call home. He was born in a feeding trough in an animal's stable. Luke chapter 2. Mary wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the place people would want to live. That was not a happenstance. It may have seemed like it was forced on them by their circumstance, but no, no, no. That was God's plan. It doesn't stop with his birth. His, his was not a rags-to-riches story, at least on this earth. Where did he live? Here's what he said about his own state of living in the world. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. No place to call home. One of the recurring points of the letter to suffering Hebrew followers of Jesus after Jesus was gone was that Jesus identified with us in every situation. Chapter 2, it says he, he shared in our human condition. He had to be made like his brothers, that's you and I, in every single way. And he began that identification in the way he came into this world at his entrance, at his birth, by very clearly, very dramatically and emphatically entering the condition that we lost in the garden. Homelessness. A homeless, no, not a wanderer, as we're going to see. You know, we talk about it, we say the words, 
But do we really allow it to penetrate the, the underlying layer of our hearts that we don't want to enter? That God did not make us come to him. He does not make us come to him and prove himself, prove ourselves to him. He came to us all the way to us, right down to our feeling of loneliness and homelessness. Not just to identify with us, not just to sit there around the fire and have a pity party with us. He did it to start the process of bringing us home to God. Let's go back to our tie boys in the cave. As the first diver poked his head out of the water in their little hole, how many of them do you think said, hey, it's good to have company down here. No, we don't want to be rescued. We like this little hole. How many people around the world would have said, you know, if they're too afraid, too traumatized to go underwater to come home, it's okay, let's just let them be. No. As a matter of fact, it was considered justifiable, reasonable to tranquilize them without parental permission to bring them home. Yes, the Son of God came to us in our homelessness, identified with us in our homelessness, but not just to validate us. He came to rescue us, and he's going to bring us home. But sometimes on that journey, some of us just seem to want Jesus to come alongside of us and hug us and affirm our homelessness and wandering. Jesus came and Jesus died to restore us, and that restoring means helping us see ways in which we need to turn our back on things that are that we think are me. Things that we are trying to get him to affirm in us rather than to develop us in. We have come to like our wandering. You see, there are two sides of this coin of Jesus identifying with us. On the one side, there is that piece of him relating to us, being with us, affirming us. On the other side is realizing that although he accepts us as we are, he does that in order to take us somewhere to restore us to home in every way. And part of that is, is changing us, transforming us to be like him. And, and in my experience in relating to people and helping them discover Jesus and walking with Jesus, sometimes we only hear one side of that coin. And we camp on the side that will help us be where we are, just stay there. People who are struggling with acceptance they tend to hear that they are not good enough if Jesus wants them to change. And if you're in that camp this morning, you need to hear that Jesus has come all the way to you. And regardless of how lonely and homeless and dirty and shameful you feel, he is there with you. He has come all the way through that tunnel and that cave to be there with you. But some of us take that and say, see, since Jesus loves me, he validates me as I am. If that's where you find yourself, you need to hear that Jesus validates you as a person, yes. He values you as one created to be in his image, and he wants to put his arm around you to give you the strength, the encouragement, the desire, the willingness to say to him, okay, if you're with me, by your grace, I want to come home all the way to you. I want to be like you. I want to aim for something higher. 
Why does the entrance into a stable and as a helpless baby by the king of kings cause us to sing joy to the world? The Lord has come. Because it makes us see that there just might be hope for coming back home. Are you on that journey? And because in coming and dying, Jesus brought us what we need most in home, acceptance, security, belonging, rootedness. So step three is simply, some of us need to develop a, 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 a Jesus acceptance, recognizing what he did. And then along with that, the rest of us need to make sure we have a Jesus awareness, accepting Jesus as my true home and then believing Resting in him as my true home. On a human level, it's like the most perfect marriage. I, I can't count the number of times my wife and I have said to each other, you know what, home for me is where you are. And that has become most real for us when other things that we tend to think of as home are taken away from us. But both of us know there will most likely come a day when one of us will be gone before the other one like several dear friends of ours have experienced in the last two years. And, and one of them, the one whose children, adult children, mature adult children, as, as I was talking with them, as we said goodbye to their father, the children were all worried that she'd fall apart because she had been very much the dependent one. And yet within months of her losing her husband and best friend, although she still felt a huge sense of loss, she was stronger and bolder and confident than anyone had ever seen her before. How did that happen? Well, here's her words. I lost the one thing on earth I feared most and discovered God was still there. And so I have nothing more to fear. There is someone who is living as if she accepted and has believed that Jesus is her true home. It's when things we like to think of as home are taken away or not given us that Jesus opens, wants, wants us to open our ears and hear him saying, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Or as the book of Hebrews says, quoting the Old Testament, the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. As the book of Colossians says, you are complete in him. He is your home. But the picture is not yet complete. We live on the foundation of all of that. But we live with a focus on the future. At least we should. What was the vision that Jesus laid out for his disciples and perhaps the most famous of his announcements to them of his leaving? They liked having him there. They had just begun to, 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 to trust him and follow him and, and to become aware of how much they needed him. They had come to the place they couldn't imagine this journey of life without him. And he knew that. But Jesus also knew that there was something they needed more than his physical presence. What they needed most was for him to finish the job he had come to do. And so he sits them down to prepare for him leaving them. 
And what does he say? John 14. Now, before I tell you what I want to tell you, let me just say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Just continue to live trusting in God and, and in me. And it's like, uh, okay, what? when's the penny going to drop here? And so he says, you need to know that in my father's house, a home for you. Many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I would have told you. I am going there to my father's house to prepare your true home for you. I won't be gone forever. I'm coming back to fulfill the true and deep longing of your heart to bring you to the home for which you were created. That's what I came to start. It's why I'll have to die. And it's why me leaving is more important than me staying. And by the way, I'm leaving sort of Because I'm going to send you myself in another form, the Holy Spirit, to be with you and to be in you, to help you stay on track on your journey home. After Jesus died, rose, left, those who did follow him were left to experience a lot of pain. One of those disciples, John, was given a vision, a picture from Jesus of what that will look like when it happens. Revelation chapter 21 John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's no longer any sea, which represents chaos and darkness. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven to The place God created to be our home, earth. Prepared as a a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place, home, is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There won't be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And everything new means creating for us again the home for which we were originally created. And the angel said to him, write this down because these words are going to happen. And what does that all mean for me right now? What good does that do for me today? I'd like us to look once more at the letter to Hebrew Christians, chapter 11. Talking about examples of, of true faith, genuine faith in daily life. It talks about someone who, who was a foreshadowing, who prefigured what Jesus would do and what it means to us. Cain. Genesis 4 was doomed to be a wanderer. But when God wanted to take the next step and begin preparing for Jesus, he called another man, Abraham. Abraham had done fairly well for himself. He had created what he thought was a secure home. He was a wealthy man. He had settled down. And yet somehow in his heart he knew this wasn't what his heart was created for. And so when God called him to leave everything he called home, to go to a land that he would show him, he left. And it was through Abraham's descendant, 
to the land that God was giving Abraham's descendants, that God brought his son. But listen to what that promise meant for Abraham's own journey, as the writer of Hebrews puts it. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive his inheritance. He obeyed, went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations coming down in Revelation 21, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham left what he had created as home, but not as a wanderer. Abraham became a pilgrim, allowing the true home he knew had to be there to be his magnet, pulling him forward. You see, Jesus coming into our homelessness, Jesus dying to assume the consequences of our condition of homelessness and restore our status, And Jesus leaving and giving the Holy Spirit in his place means that Christmas and everything about home that it's set in motion turns wanderers into pilgrims. It's not meaningless. It's not hopeless. We don't have to give up and cave in. You know, it it sounds so right when we say, well, you know, it's not about the destination. It's all about the journey. No, folks. It's both. It is about the journey. But it's about a journey that turns wandering into pilgrims. It's about a journey that has a destination, the home for which we were created. We no longer have to wander aimlessly. We can move with purpose, with confidence, giving ourselves every today, every day as if that city is real because it is. Living every day as if that city is the most important thing for us and about us, because it is. And as the writer of the Hebrews says in the very next chapter, chapter 12, it allows us as pilgrims to let go of all those things that distract our focus, really, from the true goal that we have allowed to come on to weigh us down and hold us back those behaviors that are sinful because they are short of the goal for which God created us. Putting one foot in front of the other every single day with hope and endurance, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, knowing he's gone back home and he's going to come back to bring home to us. When our son was still a preschooler, we were taking the 10-hour journey to Vancouver from northern BC to Grandma and Grandpa's house. We were just over halfway there. He, he did not travel well. I won't get into that. And we were over halfway there, entering the Fraser Canyon, which was no fun because he had a tendency towards motion sickness, for one thing. He'd been quiet for a while. When suddenly, he burst out. Can't we just stop driving around and go straight to Grandma's house? (laughs) Don't you feel that way sometimes? I remember wishing 
that I could communicate with him in some way. Yes, son, it is a journey, but daddy's been there. Daddy knows the way there. I've been down this road. I know the road has a destination. I know where it ends. And this is not about driving aimlessly. It's a long and sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's frustrating. But son, tonight you will sleep in grandma's house. I I told him some of those things. I don't know if she got it. But that's what God wants us to hear this Christmas. Are you on that journey? Have, Have you put yourself on that journey by accepting Jesus for who he is, the King of kings and the Lord of the lords, the one who came to, to die, who came down into your cave to bring you back with him home. I had a text this week from someone for whom this is their first Christmas, understanding and embracing what Jesus did at Christmas. And the text talked about the, the difficulty in expressing, well, here was the words of the text, just how much I love him and how much he really healed me from. He has guided and directed me out of darkness and didn't give up and kept pursuing me even though I kept going down others' paths. paths. There's someone who is on and who is seeing every day the journey home. Is that you? If you want to talk to someone about that journey and what it means to be on that journey, I'll, I'll be hanging around here afterwards. And If you want to pray about your own experiences of, of sense of homelessness and, and bringing Jesus into that, Come and, come and talk to us. That's what we want to be about. As the worship team come, comes forward, let me just wrap this up with the words of one of my favorite old, old hymns by Charles Wesley. One of the verses of, of the song, And Can It Be, says this. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. Tis mercy all immense and free, for oh my God, it captured me. Have you allowed yourself to be captured by that this year? This story, the story, is the only one that I found that's worth living in, that's worth living from, and that's worth living out in our world. Lord, we acknowledge before you this morning that sometimes we don't allow ourselves to be captured by this great, great story. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to see underneath our own homelessness because we're afraid that we'll go into despair. Father, recapture us again today with the true hope of knowing that you have come into our cave and you will bring us home. In the name of our wonderful Savior and Lord Jesus and by the power of his Holy Spirit, all of God's people said, Amen. Let's stand and sing and give ourselves to the journey of building on that one true foundation this week.